Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. I've missed y'all. I know it's been a minute, Um, but I'm super excited today. Uh, I've got a great guest on that I've been wanting to get on the pod for a minute now, so I'm glad that we're linked up today. Um, But for everybody that's new here, my name is Ashley. I'm your host. And um, for everybody that's not new and y'all are regulars, welcome back. Um, I know there's been a little break, but we're back. We're, We're ready to roll right through the summer. Um, today I have a really special guest and her name is Solana Blue. So welcome to the podcast, Solana. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So Solana and I linked up in the DMs as I do with many of my guests. And, um, she is a, like, she's just a super creative and like very, you know, you meet somebody and like, you don't necessarily see them, but you're talking to them on the phone. You're like, ah, you're very calming. You, like, you have a very calming energy. That's what I got from her. So, um, and I love when, you know, people have that, that type of energy. But I'll, get, I'll tell y'all a little bit of, about Solana, and I'll let her kind of tell you guys about herself. But she's a singer-songwriter. She's also a podcast producer. She's a fellow yogi. Shout out to all the black yogis out there. Um, we, you know, we out here. <laughs> she's from North Carolina, um, and she's always sung a different tune from others. Uh, she's once pursuing acting in New York City and has had a career shift. Um, she's a freelancer right now on social media. And in her free time, she is a spiritual wellness advocate and influencer. So, we're, you know, we'll make sure to drop the the link so y'all can definitely follow her. Um, whenever her creative energy calls, music is always home. Y'all, she's got music out. So, you know, y'all got to make sure... Maybe, maybe, maybe we might get a little huh, something today. I don't know. A little, a little riff. <laughs> a little something. We'll see. We'll see. But, um, I'm super excited, super excited to have Solana on the podcast and, um, tell us a little bit, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. How's your day going? Well, hi everybody. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Ashley, for allowing me this space to come and talk to you and talk on the pod today. Um, I am doing pretty well. I would say I'm blessed and stressed at the same time, but you know, that's life. That's what happens. Yes. I feel that in my soul right now. (laughs) I'm in the same place. Isn't that the weirdest feeling of like you're stressed, but you also like hold a lot of gratitude. Right. Um, And I think the biggest thing is weird place to be. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing is just like faith, man, having trust that you're going to be okay. You know, sometimes you're like, I'm not okay. But then it's like that small voice in the back of your head. that's like, I'm okay. You know? So it's like, I feel like that's what keeps me going throughout my days and throughout life. Honestly. Yes. I I hear that. Yes. Everything will be okay. Eventually, even if it doesn't feel like it's okay in the moment. 
But um, we're going to get into Fast and Curious because I want to know a little bit more about you. And I feel like everybody else does, too. So I'm about to ask you some weird questions for three minutes. (laughs) And um, you give me the first thing that comes to mind. And if you got a story behind it, like, we'd love to hear it. And if you don't, just throw me the first answer you got. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Um, If aliens came down to Earth. What's the first question you would ask them? Oh my gosh. Is Saturn like really No, I would definitely ask questions about the planets and if it's true. Like are the different planets like Oh. I don't know cuz me being like again like my spiritual weird self, like is that really like where our souls came from or is like it really like the place that like we call like luminaria like is that like the the heaven on earth that we make for ourselves like those are the questions i would ask because i feel like aliens like would know that right (laughs) yeah yeah i feel like like, yeah i i feel like they would have that would be a good conversation like i would definitely like to sit in on that conversation when it happens and to know like what do (laughs) y'all eat like do y'all just eat air or (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like maybe they eat stardust i don't know <laughs> oh no, that's a good one that's a good one like do you guys eat stardust or yeah right? i would wonder that <laughs> i love that if you could be any season what would you be fall all the way i'm a fall baby i'm a libra oh, wow. you know october is definitely my season it's my month it's ugh, fall all of it oh i love that okay um, what was the last song that you sang? Ooh. Um, oh my gosh. What was the last song I sang? Oh, Sticky by Drake. I was just Ooh, okay. that on my way out, getting into my car. <laughs> oh, do you, do you sing karaoke? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I would yeah. say like karaoke isn't like- my favorite thing, but... I do enjoy karaoke from time to time. Okay. I know some people, you know, with friends that can, that like you, that can sing, sing. Sometimes you get banned from the mic because it's like, you can't, I can't go on after you. And then like, what am I going to do? Exactly. (laughs) Here's the thing with my friends is that they'll purposely, we'll all go to karaoke, right? And it's not for me Mm -hmm. to just like all of us to enjoy karaoke together. It's no, for me to get up there and sing for all of them. And I'm like, wait a minute. I love that. I I love that. It's so sweet of them. But they're like, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, soul. Go ahead and sing. And I'm like, I I thought it was your turn. This is why we actually came. Exactly. And it's like, I want to sound that, you know, I want to enjoy karaoke and all its gloriness and be, you know, sounding like a bird that, you know, is, you know, squalling and squawking. But I can't because everybody's expecting me to sing like Anita Baker or Whitney Houston. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, Okay, if we ever go out for karaoke, we can sing Sticky by Drake. It would be, you know. It would and would. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, If you could be any animal in the world, what are you going to be? Ooh, that one's nice. I know. I know it's considered an insect, but I, I feel like we can consider butterflies animals, right? Yeah, we can call just any living thing. We can do, yeah, butterflies work. Yeah, I would definitely be a butterfly, you know, 
I, I would want the pretty yes. wings, but you know, butters, butterflies can up and go wherever they want. It's the freedom yes. behind them. I love it. Yes. Oh, I love that. My mom calls me a butterfly because I move around a lot. She's like, you just kind of like from one place to the next. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of true. <laughs> okay, last one. You are going out to dinner to your favorite place, favorite restaurant. There are five seats at the table. You're at the head of the table. Who are you inviting? Now, you can invite anybody dead, alive, or imaginary, fictional, whatever it could be. It could be okay. Bugs Bunny. It could be Maya Angelou, whoever. Okay. okay, okay, okay. That is a really good question. Oh, thanks, girl. <laughs> That's a really good question. I would say Prince. I would love to, love to have Prince at my table. Um, Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. All the way. Um, oh, my goodness. Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness. I'm stuck with this one. There's just so many amazing people in the world. Um, I think you have two Ooh. more. You got Prince, Michelle Obama, Beyonce, Beyonce. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Because I love, I love her voice. I love her singing. Um, and honestly, it would probably be my grandfather. My last one, my grandpa. Yeah, I love that. That's a good list. Thank you for playing. Yeah, of course. That's a really good table right there. There's been a lot of tables, and let me tell you, Michelle Obama is at a lot of tables uh, whenever I ask that, that question. And I do not blame people. That's a great person to have at your table. I just want to know, like, her book, The Light We Care, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah. oh, my goodness, so much wisdom and poise, too. Yes. yes, a lot of poise. I kind of love that she's out here living her best life now and, like, I saw her do an interview somewhere. She's on some, I don't know who was interviewing her, but she was talking about like now she, you know, she steps out and she's like dressed to the nines, hair braided, different style every time. And she was talking about how restricted she was at the White House and how she was like, I wanted to wear my hair in braids. I wanted to wear my hair natural. I wanted to do all these things. And, but I also didn't want to like pull away focus because she's like every thing from like the color of my shoes to like how long my hair was became a distraction from the presidency and I was like oh my gosh yeah this woman like had to mute herself for so long yep so I'm, I'm happy to see her out just like you Me know too Michelle Obama with what it looks like. locks is on another level I mean I know Oh it's my gosh. Crazy. And I'm like, yeah, she needed, they were ready to leave the White House. It was about time. It was about time. Yeah. Yes. I know somebody asked her in an interview, like maybe, I don't know, within a year after they had left the White House and they were like, oh, would you ever run for president? And she was like, definitely not. Definitely not. No way. <laughs> I don't blame her. Though. I do not like, blame her. Like this country, yeah. and especially this country when it comes to black women. We, mm-hmm. This is not a kind country for that. And it, for a black woman to run for president, it will be like all, mm-hmm. excuse me when I say this, but all hell will break loose. Like, 
it oh, would not yeah. i feel like she would be stopped and there would be so many roadblocks and so many situations and problems where she couldn't prosper like we know that we as black women are meant to prosper and yeah. you know honestly i don't blame her like i wouldn't want to do it i wouldn't either uh, not not my piece at this point like just save your piece right because exactly oh exactly. she she got enough just being the first lady i can't imagine yeah like, and I just and can't I, imagine if she was president. What exactly. That like. Exactly. Her yeah. and Kamala. I Godspeed. <laughs> right. Godspeed I would love to interview. President. Yeah, I would love to interview Michelle about her and her daughters about like their their mental health during that time. Because the stuff that was online was crazy. But we're gonna go ahead and get into our mind games uh, segment. And this mind game segment, if you're new to the pod. Um, this is where we do a little trivia. We do a little mental health trivia. Um, usually, we're talking about mental health disorders, and I kind of give you a definition, and y'all guess, and then we come back at the end of the show, and I tell you what it is, and give you a little bit, a little bit more information on it. Um, but today, we're switching it up a little bit. Today, um, we are going to highlight a psychologist, uh, but y'all have to guess who it is, all right? You ready? And Solana, you can guess too. Okay, let's go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, this particular psychologist was born in 1903 in Texas. Um, and she went on to earn her PhD in psychology from the University of Cincinnati in 1933. Uh, her, throughout her career, she was dedicated to improving the quality of mental health services available to African-Americans and worked tirelessly to raise awareness of the ways in which race, culture, and ethnicity can impact mental health. One of the most important contributions uh, to, the ment- to the mental health field was her work on, rela- on the relationship between race and mental health. Uh, she conducted groundbreaking research on the exper- experiences of African-American women with mental illness and was one of the first psychologists to highlight the ways in which racism, poverty, and discrimination can contribute to mental health issues in communities of color. Any guesses? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So for everybody that's listening, you can use Dr. Google and search who it is, but you know, I'm not going to tell you to the end. So you got to stick around with us. Um, all right. So we're going to circle back to that a little later, but today I really want to get into um, Salon. I know when we first spoke, um, we t- man, we talked about a lot of things and, Um, one of the things that I know you mentioned is that for you, you grew up in a traditional Christian household. Um, I think, and you, I think you said you grew up in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that comes with a lot of, well, I'm not going to speak for you. So I want you to tell me a little bit about what was the view on mental health or was there a view on mental health? What did that look like? Like when you were growing up? Yeah. Um, So it's funny because I didn't really know much about mental health until I was in high school. And the only reason why I knew about it is because my senior year of high school, when I was about 16, going on 17, I had my first ever anxiety attack. And I had no idea what was happening with my body. I just shut down. I broke down. And... 
my mom just looked at me with so much fear in her eyes and was just like, you're not going to school today. And Mm. I was hyperventilating and, you know, I was like, my chest was tight and just so much happening. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Like my chest hurts and I, I, I can't talk. And my mom didn't really explain it to me until a little later on. She was like, well, what you're having is an anxiety attack. That's what was happening. And I was like, well, what is that? And so finally she explained it to me. Um, But as far as like it being talked to my household, no one really ever said anything. So if they were suffering, you never knew. Um, My mom struggled with depression for so many years, but I didn't know that she was struggling with it. Um, And it feels like, especially when you grow up in a Southern Christian household, um, it's seen to if you have mental health problems or you're struggling with things like that, that you're not allowed to, to suffer out loud. You have to suffer in silence. And so to go all of those years and not know anything about how our brains work when we go through trauma or situations like things didn't really register to me until I got to an age where it's like this needs to start clicking now so as far as like processing like childhood trauma and stuff like that I would talk to people and I'd be like oh yeah this is what happened and they're like oh um maybe you should go talk to somebody professional about that you know so then I would be like oh well what's so bad about that You know, I didn't really even know therapy was really a thing until I was in high school. (laughs) So it was kind of like a forbidden thing. Like, you know, we don't talk about it. We don't speak, you don't say anything about it. Just like keep it buried and keep it pushing. Um, And so even now in my adult life where I bring up going to therapy, thankfully, like my grandparents are quite, um, I wouldn't say lenient. That's not the word I want to use, but they're very accepting when it comes to situations like that. So when I begin to open, openly talk about um, the problems I was going through, the things I was going through and speaking about, you know what? I think I should go see a professional, see a therapist. You know, they were kind of confused, but they understood as to why it was important to me. Um, and around this time, I was in college starting to understand. I took my first psychology class. And then once I took that class, it opened my eyes to pretty much everything I was like oh that's not normal (laughs) oh I didn't know other people's (laughs) brains worked like that like oh I didn't know other people I didn't you know I didn't know I suffered from ADD until I was you know in college so it was very eye-opening I just feel like growing up in my household it was very much like we don't speak about it we don't say anything about it keep it going yeah and so now um obviously mental health is something that you can speak freely about is maybe for your parents or just those around you. Is that something that I know you said your grandparents are pretty accepting. Uh, Is it something that they've leaned into themselves and maybe start started to look at their own mental health? I think when my grandpa passed back in 2018, my grandmother, um, she was she was going through a lot you know to be a widow and then to experience grief and all that stuff um she started to really see why I talked about mental health and rest the way that I talk about it now and um as far as like my parents um 
you know, they grew up in that Generation X. So I feel like that's that generation where it's like work hard, play, no, don't play hard, you know. Um, And I don't have time to deal with those kind of issues. Those are, you know, I'm going to be in denial of the issues I suffer from. But um, when my grandpa did pass, my grandmother, she was just like, you know what? I'm not okay. I'm not good. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. That's okay to admit that you're not okay. But how can we take care of ourselves and be gentle with ourselves in this moment? And, you know, it's it's really good that I was able to help her understand um, the importance of learning how to take care of her mental health. And at such an old age now, I wouldn't say she's old, but, you know, she is in her 70s. So for her to come to that realization in her 70s, um, I feel like there was progress made for sure. Oh, yeah. And that's a beautiful gift that you can give her after, like, you know, our grandparents and our parents taking care of us for so long. I think it's a beautiful gift at this point in your life to be able to say, hey, I'm here for you and it's okay." You know, I think sometimes that's part of it is also like because there was that, like you said, work hard, don't play hard or don't play at all, you know, because there's so much work to be done. Um, I think there's so much there's a level of shame involved, I think, especially for the older generation that's like, oh my gosh, I, I'm actually not doing well. Like, I actually need help. Well, now where do I go for help? Because nobody ever, like, prepped me for this. Everybody prepped me if, like, I fall and I break my leg, I got to go to the hospital. If mm-hmm. I get sick and I'm phlegmy and I'm, you know, sneezing and my chest hurts, I'm going to go to the doctor and get medication. But nobody really preps you for, like, if you're going through this you know, major grief, well, nobody tells you what you should do at that point, aside from like, well, you got to put your head down and keep going. So I think it's a beautiful gift that you that you've given her. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I would say I see it as a, a win for the, the generational progress. So it's like, yes, it, didn't really work with my parents and and their parents and my ancestors, but I can change the rhythm of where our family and our path is leading to. You know, I want to be that parent coming into a situation when I do give birth and when I do have a child that I am taking care of the problems and the issues that I've dealt with first and not bearing that on them and then them bearing that on their children and then so forth and so forth, you know, that ends with me, you know? So it's just kind of my thought process. Yeah. Yes. That's a beautiful thought process. Definitely. I want to talk a little bit about, um, when you, so you're seven, I think you said you're 17 and you had your first anxiety attack. Um, and then you went through and in college started to learn more. Um, I guess, if you want to talk about anything else that you kind of uncovered that you realized, Oh, I was going through this and I never really realized what I never had a name for it. Was there anything else you experienced? Obviously anxiety was one of them. Yes. Anxiety, um, depression. I didn't know what depression was. Uh, and I would say, um, I also think depression, anxiety went to hand when I was in my teenage years and, Going back in my memory bank, um, from 13 to 17, I was depressed. 
I had no idea. And I lived in my own little bubble. You know, I was always in my room. You know, I was always sitting down, playing sad music, and I was always asleep. You know, my door was never open. I never left my door open. Um, I barely ate, you know. And I, again, like with a mother that was going through it as, as well at the same time, she could not be there for me in the time that I was going through it. Um, and I think partly with her in that situation of her not explaining to me like what that was that I was going through is because she also felt like that shame and that guilt of like, oh, I failed as a parent because I'm going through this and my child is going through this, but you know, I don't want to say anything about I'm going through this. So I'm not going to explain to my child what she's going through. Um, and I would say like over the years, I built a little resentment towards my mom about that. Because if you really know me, I love honesty. I just need you to be upfront with me. We don't need to put charades on for one another because then that, that was a learned behavior that I ended up taking on from her. And now all these years, I'm trying to break down that wall and that mask of just being, you know, myself and just showing people that like life is real, things happen, like, you know, we all can't be this, this pristine picture perfect person out here, but I may not be perfect, but like I'm human. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely think that that's something I resented her for a while, but yeah, I did not know I was suffering depression at all either yeah did you have you ever had a conversation with her or had the opportunity to have a conversation with her about those kind of leftover feelings from your from your teenage years um I would say like I said I'm fully transparent um (laughs) no I appreciate that yeah my mother and I don't have the best of relationship yeah and um partially it's because I'm in this phase in my life where I want to get better Um, I don't want to keep blaming other people and things and and situations in my life going the way that they were because of so-and-so and and X, Y, and Z and so forth. Um, I'm in the point in my life where it's like I take accountability for like, yeah, those things happen. Some of those things weren't my fault, but you know, you can't control, you just can't control everything or how things work out or how things happen to you. But I am in control of how I move on from these situations and how I heal from these situations. And I think that's the difference between specifically me and my parents both. Um, That it's still not clicking with them that it's like, you can move on from this. You can level up from this. You know, what you're projecting onto me is not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of what's going on in you. And being me, I had to, had to put a boundary up with my parents that it's like, I will no longer allow you to project onto me what you're suffering on the inside because I am not there. I'm choosing to love you. I'm choosing to let this loose and then keep going on my way because I have a lot of progress that I'm wanting to make. Does that journey ever get lonely? It does. Um, but it's still rewarding because Mm. I may not have a lot of people that are ready to be on a path of enlightenment the way that I am, but 
I know that at the end of the day that I'm not really alone like I think I am. Like being, you know, with God and God always walking with me. Spirit, the divine, the universe of whoever people want to call them. Um, I'm not really alone because they walk with me. They're with mm-hmm. me. The ancestors, they are with me. Um, and I feel like that's what keeps me going, knowing that um, I'm living a life full of just joy and peace. Yeah. Oh, that's that's beautiful. And I and I and I hear that when it comes to even that your even when it that journey does become lonely. Um, I've that that um, the knowing of you're not alone, even in your darkest place that that God is with you and your ancestors are with you. I feel very connected as well to like those that came before me and. Right. And I think that's also one thing that's kept me, even when I'm in really dark places, that's been like, okay, I can't see the light now, but I'm not here by myself. Like, it's it's really dark. I'm not in a great place. I, all the feelings are coming in. Um, and, yeah, that's something that has kept me, uh, kept me here for, uh, at a, you know, at some really low points in life is that, is that knowing that... Um, those that came before me are still with me. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're smiling with you. They're laughing with wa- you. They're crying with you as well. Yes. Yes. And that is a very comforting thing, I have to say. Um, it's a very comforting thing. I'm thankful that I have my mom and my grandmother um, were never afraid to talk about those things, you know, that you you aren't alone and that you know somebody's with you your grandpa's with you somebody's with you now my grandpa passed in 2018 as well and so I know she's with me and um, I know her ancestors are with me so it's a beautiful thing and uh yes I love that you know I think that's a good reminder is that even at our dark in our in our darkest moments we're not by ourselves right um I want to um if you can describe your mental health journey right now and today in three words, like what three words would you choose? Um, turbulent. Um, Mm. rewarding and Honestly, oh, I'm really stuck on it now because I'm really thinking about what I've been through on my mental health journey. I said turbulent, rewarding, and honestly, joyous. I want to. Ooh, those are, those three words are well. The first one, especially. I want us to get into a, into that, like turbulent. What do you mean by turbulent? I would say like... In what way? When you think about, so like turbulence on a on an airplane, you like, you know, yeah. you think about when it's like smooth sailing and then all of a sudden it's like they pick up that turbulence and then it's like, oh, I got to put my seatbelt back on, 
you know, it's yeah. that feeling. And then it's like the seatbelt light goes off because the turbulence has gone down. And you're like, all right, I can take the seatbelt back off and be smooth sailing again. You know, it's like that up and down feeling. It's never just a smooth ride. It's like, you know, sometimes you're, it's going to be like, I'm doing great. It's just amazing. I'm going up and then oh, here we go back in a dip. And then up, oh, we're going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, maybe maybe up uh, yeah there's a little small little valley right there and then we keep going so yeah mm. yes I feel that 2023 has been turbulent for me uh as well but I love that you also said re- rewarding and joyous and like in what ways um has it been rewarding for you where you are right now hi this is the most myself I have ever felt in my whole entire life. And I say that as somebody who mm-hmm. thought she knew herself before going on this new mental health journey. Um, you know, I always thought I wanted to be one way that I was this, you know, um, in like terms of like, even with my career, like, you know, being this musical theater girl, this, 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 this star, this big thing and then it's like no like really what I am on the inside is like I'm very grounding I'm very nurturing I'm very you know uh shy at times I've like really actually have gotten to get to know myself um and also I have stopped hiding myself like my truest self as well it's more of a an acceptance period of like this is me take me or leave me you know so it's definitely Mm. been rewarding in that aspect because I've been able to be the woman that I've always dreamt of myself being like my inner child is always smiling back at me because who she was that small little girl is the person that I am now you know it just took a while to Mm. get back to her um and yeah it's it's been quite joyful because I'm still grateful to be here experiencing life itself Mm, yeah that gratitude is something I always come back to as well and like no matter I don't want to say no matter what we're going through because sometimes things you know things are rough and it doesn't always feel joyous but I think having that perspective of at the at the root of it all I'm here and like this is a gift that I'm still here, even when yeah. things are not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I wanted, I wanted to ask you, and this is something I think we talked a little bit about when we first spoke. Um, and you talked a little bit about how your view of your self-worth has shifted. And I want to dig into like, how has your view of self-worth changed like in the past 10 years past 10 years okay um well I grew up with a lot of body image issues and my body image issues weren't actually my own body image issues so how I spoke in the beginning about how Mm. I had a mother that tends to project how she feels on like about herself onto other people sadly I got the brunt of that um and at times you know I would want to pursue certain things or do certain things or wear certain things and she'd be like oh no you're gonna get laughed at or oh no 
you can't do that because you're bigger than the other girls or, oh, no, um, you just can't take challenges. Like, what do you expect yourself to do? Like, you're, you can't take challenges. So I don't expect you to be able to, you know, be on the athletes team, you know, just uh, small things like that. And when I ended up hearing those things, it turned into, well, what am I, what can I do to show people that I am worth it? Like, you know, I have this, this thing to prove to people that I am. And so then that would turn into people pleasing. And mm-hmm. I would always do what other people said or listen to what other people said or, um, you know, wear what other people want me to wear, specifically going back to my mother. Um, I didn't feel like I really felt like I was worthy to make my own decisions for myself or worthy enough to pursue the things that actually made me happy because I was always told that I wasn't in a way. And now that I'm older and, you know, I've even going through like dating men and, you know, being in the musical theater industry because the musical theater industry is rough and it's rough mainly for women of color and plus size people. And you're constantly told that you can't be a, a, a freaking princess on Broadway because princesses can't be big, you know. So then it's telling you as a big person, you're not worthy enough to be on Broadway or be a Disney princess on Broadway just because of your size. You know, and that's something that's something I've, I've had to break down because people will listen to me sing or they'll watch me act. And they're like, you're perfect for this role. And I'm like, well, if I'm so perfect for it, then why not like why why can't I do it and then that filters in your brain where it's like I'm not good enough I'm not good enough to pursue this maybe if I change something about myself then that's maybe when they'll like me you know I think it's because I've I've gone through body image I'm still working on body image stuff myself and um and I think the way that the women in our family look at themselves and look at other women makes such an impact, as as you've said here. Like, it makes such an impact on how we look at ourselves um, and how, how we value ourselves um, and what we're capable of. But I think especially when it comes to body image and trying to figure out, like, how... I don't know. I feel like I've spent so much time... And I think I would love to say I have no regrets, but I sometimes I regret how much time in my life I've spent trying to fit and shove myself into a little box of like what society has deemed is beautiful, successful, worthy of love, worthy of attention, you know, um, worthy of success. And I I'm 33 now, but I'm just like, man, I wasted I wasted some time uh, really trying to fit into these little boxes of like, I need to lose weight, I need to get thinner. Um, And then also for me, like, there are a lot of boxes that I physically cannot fit into. (laughs) I mean, I'm 6'3", I'm athletic, I've had locks since like the sixth grade, I'm chocolate so there are a lot of boxes that out the gate like out the womb I just don't fit into right um but it just 
I'm glad you are getting to a point where you are, you know that you're worthy. And I just really hope like little brown, little, little black girls around like understand that those boxes were never made for us. And even though our parents may be trying to fit into it, our friends, our aunties, whomever, the boxes were never made with us in mind. Like yeah. it, we we were never made to fit into any of these boxes. Mm-mm. Um. Yeah. So that's the. That's yeah. where I'm trying to be. I'm just trying to be like take up as much space as I can, for the rest of my life. Because <laughs> I spent so much time trying to take up as little space. Exactly. As I and can. yeah, and that's something that's funny because I always think about myself when I was a child, and I was this sassy, vibrant, you know bright eyed and I looked at life in a a different technical world because I always believed that you know my light could shine and illuminate the world around me and when society tells you starts to tell you that like your your light's just too bright you can't shine it on anywhere like you can't no not you you can't do that it's like I'm now getting back to that place now at 24 that it's like, man, if y'all don't get out here, let me do my thing. You know, it's like I'm meant right? to do this. I'm meant to be unique. I am meant to be. I'm not supposed to be like everybody else in this world. And that's something I've always known in my heart since I was put on this earth. Yeah. How do you feel like how would you what would you say to like your 10 year old self? Well, 15. Let's throw 15 in there. What would you say right now when it comes to your self-worth, if you could go back and and speak to like 15-year-old Solana, what what would you say to her? I would say wear the two-piece swimsuit, baby girl. Go ahead and wear that two-piece swimsuit. (laughs) Wear the two-piece. Go ahead and wear the two-piece. But also I would tell her you don't even know how beautiful you truly are. And I just need you to know that you are so amazing and you are going to touch and bless so many people around you without even realizing it. So don't Mm. don't allow the fear to overpower the love that is in your heart and that you are exuding to the world around you. Keep it going. Keep it pushing, you know, but don't let anyone tell you that. You have to you have to stop and put yourself on hold to make other people feel more special than you. You are the first person that matters. Yes. Oh, I love that. We're just going to let that marinate for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. And for anybody that's listening that knows a 15 year old little black girl that could use these words of wisdom, like send this over to them because I, um, I, I think that there are as much, as much strides as we're making, I think with mental health, I, I still think that there's so much, I think there's a lot of young girls out there that still need to hear those things. I, I think they still need to be reminded that they are worthy. And I think that, they're worthy in spite of who, whoever in their family and their friend group says that they're not or has said that they shouldn't wear that two piece or they shouldn't go out and try out for that team or go out and go for the lead role. Like 
um, I, I just, I saw, I don't know if you've seen it, but I saw Lizzo's documentary. I'm like, I don't know. I think I have like 10 minutes left of it. Um, I think it's on Amazon, but I saw her documentary and I was like, I love Lizzo, by the way. I I don't think I'm like a super Lizzo fan. Like I don't know every word to every song, <laughs> but I love her energy and I love, um, she's insanely talented yes. and, um, I've seen her perform live. And if y'all ever have an opportunity to see her perform live, take it. Like <laughs> this woman is a performer, um, for the ages. Like she's, she's amazing. But I think at, at the root of it, it was so interesting because like right now we're seeing, I think we're seeing Lizzo at this like fully formed Lizzo, right? Lizzo's confident. Her self-worth is there. She's hyping up other women. She's elevating others. Um, And it was so, um, I don't know, made me, seeing her kind of talk through what she went through as a child, through middle school, through high school, you know, trying to get into the industry and also kind of like being this unapologetic, like thick, weird black girl that likes to play the flute, but also likes to twerk, but also raps, but it can also sing and grew up in the church. I mean, it was all these things. And I think at any point she could have stepped back and said, you know what? I'm too much. Like maybe I should tone it down. Maybe I should, you know, be less. And I think because, and I, and I'm sure it wasn't easy, but I think because she kept, she kept that mindset of like, no, I'm going to, this is what I like to do. Like, this is who I am. I'm going to do it and people are going to make fun of me for it. And I don't really care. And I think that's the level of like to hell with everybody else and what their thoughts are as far as what I, where I should fit in. This is what I love to do. This is how I love to dress. This is what I want to sound like. This is what I want to make other people feel this, like as far as like sharing your talents with the world. Um, so if you guys haven't watched it, like make sure you go watch that. But you're, what you're saying just re- reminded me so much of like what she was saying as well. Just in yeah. it, I think it all goes back to that inner child before, before you started getting like society started putting all this stuff in your head as to who you should be and where you should fit in. But going back to that inner child and like, who was she and like what made her happy? Right. And it's so funny you bring up Lizzo because yeah. <laughs> I literally also played the flute for like 11 years. Um, so it's like, it's funny because it's like, oh my God, I didn't know someone like Lizzo existed. And it's like a full circle moment because when I was younger, I would wear a poncho. Like, you know how the popular ponchos used to be with little hanging little uh, colorful balls on the end. I would wear that. I would wear yeah, a little, a yeah. little crinolin, crinolin. What do you call it? Crinolin. I can't pronounce it. It's so country when I said that. <laughs> but it's like uh. a little tutu that you wear under a dress. <laughs> Those little tutus oh, yeah, you wear under yeah. a dress. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I'm not going to pronounce that. <laughs> but I don't know the pronunciation either, so you're yeah. not alone. <laughs> but, but I would wear that around the house, and I would take my mom's old middle school flute, and I would just twirl it around the house like I was a little little showgirl, and then i try to play it in toot and boot, and then I finally learned how to play it. And um, I had been in band for over 11 years playing that instrument so it's funny you bring up Lizzo because it's like I have that similar that that um that feel that vibe that I've always felt connected with her on that level yeah yeah oh that's beautiful I I didn't know that 
Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the uh, the black girl flautists. It's flautists, right? Yeah, That's how you flautists. It? Yeah, flautists. Yep. Okay, and I only know that from watching her documentary because I <laughs> I don't know what I would have named it. Fluter, fluter, flutist. I know it's flautists. 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 I love that. That's awesome. Um, I, I know music is your home. That's what you. You'd mentioned earlier, music is your home. And I want to talk like, how does music connect with your mental health, your mental wellness, your overall wellness? Like, where do the two come together? Yeah, music, I felt like has always felt like it was like I was always speaking a different language. Like if I couldn't say anything through words, I can understand what I'm trying to say through music. And either it be something that I wrote or somebody else wrote. It's like, ah, yes, that's how I feel. That's the emotion that I'm trying to relate to right now. That's what I'm trying to release right now. Um, And I feel like when I get into these um, moments where my mental health is not the best, I always find myself either playing some sound bowls or... um, you know, ringing a little bell or something, something with a frequency, something with the rhythm, hearing some drums or something playing to kind of connect back to that person that I am in the, on the inside, you know, to really be like, no, I'm still here. I'm still grounded in this moment. This is this is where that, that tranquility, this is where that peace, all that stuff is sitting right here. Um, so the minute I turn on a song or even if it's when I'm trying to feel good about something, you know, I just need to hear that one verse in that that music, that song, to get me through the rest of my day. Um, I yes. feel like music's more helpful than people realize when it comes to the brain and the body, um, because it's like we're always going to be connected with a higher part of ourselves when we hear those frequency of those tones or those rhythms. Yes, I, I I agree completely. Music is is huge for me as well. And it's almost like, for one, I can tell, sometimes I can tell my mood by which what songs I'm listening to. And then similar to what you're saying, I know how to then like, okay, what do I need to turn on? Like, do I need to put Janae Icon? Do I need to like bring my singing bowl to my desk and like hit it and just sit for a minute? Um, I'm big on like, the YouTube channels that have like the Hertz of, you know, different frequencies that you can listen yep. to, um, in like singing bowl channels. Um, but I think just, I can tell like this morning I was feeling really good. I feel like my energy was up, especially for a Saturday. Usually I'm like moving slow and I, I had like Afro beats playing and like in the mornings when I'm getting ready for work, granted, I'm just going from one room to the next, but when I'm getting from ready for work, depending on how I'm feeling when I get up, if I'm feeling really low, then I know, okay, I got to put something like upbeat on. I got to get something that's going to like pull me forward a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's also times where I'm like super anxious. And so I'm going to put on something a little bit more chill. I got, you know, different artists that I like that kind of like chill me out a little bit and bring my energy down, kind of level me out. Um, But what's your, what's your go-to album that's you know when you're feeling anxious what's what's your like go-to album or your go-to song 
that you listen to? My go-to song? I'm going to actually pull up my Spotify for this. Because. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, there's so, just, just so many. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's just so many. Um, but right off the bat, um, Mama's Gun by Erica Badu would be like my top oh album. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is Baduism my is, is my top. Mama's yeah. Gun is right right after that. Yeah. Mama's oh, Gun is that yes. that album for me. Um, and then I would have to say songs just by song is prototype by Outcast. Like if you listen to oh that song. Oh my gosh. Yes. When you listen to that song yes. when you're in such a low mood or even when you're just trying to calm down, the, it's just the intro, the da 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 da, just yeah, uh, da, yes. yes, it just brings you to a place where you're like, <sighs> and then it's like yes. you hear the I think I'm in love again. That oh, it's everything. Are... Okay, can you give us a little like, because I was gonna sing and I realized no, this is not the time actually for you to be trying to sing, <laughs> not the time. <laughs> Can you give us a little note from, you know, little line from Prototype? Yeah, let me see. Uh, I hope that you're the one. If not, you are the prototype. Uh, Okay. To the sun and do things. I know you like. I think I'm in love again. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> yes. Can you just keep going so I can record it and I can listen to it, add it to my playlist? <laughs> I, I did oh that song for a live performance and people hadn't heard it in a really long time. And I was like, I'm just going to sing something that, you know, is going to take us all the way back. And I was like, when you think about that higher love that you're trying to seek, either it be with somebody else or with yourself, it's like, this is that song that pulls you into that energy. And when I started it, people were like, oh my gosh, because it's like, it hits like that, that, whoa, that nostalgia feeling. Like, that's what that song, like, feels to me. It's nostalgia. Oh, yes, it is nostalgia. That is one of my top five favorite songs of all time. Yeah, Andre like, 3000 put five. his foot in that song. The, his whole, both of them, both, <laughs> both of them, of them. <laughs> put their whole foot in that song. Like oh. it didn't make no sense how good that song is, but it's for real. It's good. The amount of money that I would pay for Andre 3000 just to make one more album, just one. <sighs> right. Like I hate to be greedy, but I could just do with what I don't want any rap. Like. I really don't want Big Boy on there. I just want Andre 3000 just to, like, he can rap. But I just don't want any, like, I don't want Drake on there. I don't want, like, I just Mm -hmm. want Andre Andre just to vibe. Maybe get, you know, Miss Badu in there for a couple verses. You know, I just want, like, every time he pops up on a song, I'm just like, ah, warm feeling. Like, I feel like a blanket. And it's just like, he always (laughs) spits so much wisdom. Yes. He always spits so much wisdom every time. Every time, you know, he didn't, he did an interview with Rick Rubin. I want to say like 2020, 2021. And, um, he asked him like, he asked him basically like, why haven't you made more music? And it was so interesting to me that his answer was something to the effect of like, I'm not super confident that I can, you know, everybody's out here making all this, like music has changed and the sounds have changed the trends, you know, every now every six months they change, but 
he it was kind of like a lack of confidence that he can compete and you know hold his own with everybody and i i think rick rubin was kind of like yeah he had the same reaction like (laughs) what and it was so interesting because you would think somebody like andre 3000 that i just think is like he's sitting at the top of like the rap yes royalty like table um that somebody like him would go through something like imposter syndrome or would just be not have the confidence um, to make another album. Like that's insane to me. And you even think about artists like D'Angelo and Musique Soulchild, like, you know, they make stuff, but they don't really put it out there like they really should. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, y'all are the soul Aquarian era like oh geez like the neo soul artists that i am that the ones that are here now would not be where we are without them being there and i'm like come on like i still listen to your music it's not the 90s no more but i'm still bumping it yes it's timeless like i it's hard for me nowadays well i will say that the music 90s 2000s that neo soul era is so timeless i can go back and listen to anything anything like baduism every time i play my husband's like okay you playing okay yeah <laughs> and it's so funny we've been together for so long that now i was playing in the car the other day we were on like a road trip somewhere and i see him singing the lyrics so i'm like he didn't know the lyrics when we got together i'm like okay yep i play uh-huh. this a lot i know mm-hmm. i do <laughs> yep. but it's music that just is just timeless and like the mess like i don't know it just makes you feel good well it's because honestly i feel like that music was before its time i feel like now we are are definitely dipping into this new era where people are more awakened and feeling more open to those those topics that they talk about in that music it's like erica badu is erica badu always ever and forever will be but i feel like there was a time where people didn't really vibe with her until we got to this new era where people are like i want to wake up and listen to that kind of music my soul needs to hear those things i need to be in that mindset now um and it's just like her like lauren hill you know it's like erica said in an interview she was like my greatest work is still not done yet you know Mm, she was like i'm still writing the the best thing i'm gonna write is still in the process i was like girl yeah me thinking she already wrote the best thing ever (laughs) right and she herself is saying i ain't wrote the best thing ever yet so hold on i'm still it's still coming out it's still coming out yeah she's um man i i love erica i've seen her twice in concert now i've seen her once at a really small venue in vegas um at a i can't remember what it's called brooklyn bowl Mm -hmm. uh small venue like five six hundred people and her aura just like fills the room but also there was a point where she like stopped and she was like wow this is crazy she's like some of y'all weren't even born when i dropped this album and she's like this is like four generations after she dropped the album and then i looked around and i'm like dang you saw people from like 20 to like 60 in there like a mix and there's not many artists out there that can that can do that 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 Mm -hmm. can touch like that many people and everybody knew every word it was just it was a time yeah and i don't know if you know duran uh duran duran bernard yes 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 Yes. so yes yes he was a backup singer 
for that to- for her on that tour. Yeah. And he, he she kind of like let him rock. Like she, you know, they introduced everybody, but she let him rock and I think he did like a whole song. That was my first introduction to him. And I was like, "Oh my gosh." Yo, he's so talented. The talent. I mean, the his talent. album, his album that he came out with recently, it's my everything. It's one of the top albums I listen to now actually. Um, really? but I first got introduced to him when he was singing back up for Erica. That's great. I feel like we're kind of like music sisters right now. Like we some... really are. <laughs> we really are at this point. And I yes. like, I tell people, I'm like, I could talk about music for forever. I really could. Me too. And Me you too. know, I could really sit down and give everybody a class on a one-on-one and like, all right, this is, this is everything that's yes. been happening. Yes. Yeah. I'm the same. I love that. I love like finding out who, who produced an album. I like figuring out like who, who sung background on this song? Like who wrote this song? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was that like nerd back in the day that would have CDs and I would flip to the back, like you'd read all the lyrics, but then I'd be like, who's on the writing credits? Like what kind of 14 year old is looking at writing credits <laughs> CDs, but that's what I would do. Yep. Cause I found it to be so interesting. Like, did they write this? And then you see, like, other artists, you know, what songs they wrote on. And then, like, yeah, I'm a music head, too. So I just can't sing at all. No, it's okay. <laughs> and I believe that anyone can learn how to sing, too. I, some people are gifted. Some people have to learn. But I feel like music's yeah. just that one universal language that will all speak for lifetimes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I... I could probably talk to you for another um, hour or two, but I, I won't hold you. <laughs> I won't good. hold you here. But I do want to, I want to go back to uh, the Mind Games answer and make sure everybody gets the answer to the question that I had asked, uh, to the to the question that I have for today for Mind Games. So we're going to do a quick recap on the psychologist um, and... Hopefully y'all haven't forgot. I feel like this has been such a good conversation. I almost forgot about the mind games answer. So (laughs) hopefully y'all didn't forget. But uh, if you did, I'm going to do a quick recap. So this psychologist was born in 1903 in Texas. She went on to earn her PhD in psychology from the University of Cincinnati in 1933. Uh, She was dedicated to improving the quality of mental health services available to African-Americans and worked tirelessly to raise awareness in the way of the ways in which race, culture, and ethnicity impacted mental health. Uh, most notably, she, connect, she conducted groundbreaking research on the experiences of African-American women with mental illness and was one of the first to highlight the ways in which racism, poverty, and discrimination can contribute to mental health issues in communities of color. And um, the name of this psychologist is Inez Beverly Prosser. Girl, I wouldn't have got that. I know. <laughs> I went digging. I went digging around the interwebs for this because um, it's, I won't say it's hard to find information on um, particularly black people that have had like a hand in shaping mental health, but it's, you got to do some digging. So I've never heard of Inez Beverly Prosser. I'm sure there's people that are like psychologists that have, or maybe not. I don't know. But I thought it was, I mean, the fact that she was born in Texas, number one, in 1903, number two, and graduated uh, with a degree in psychology from University of Cincinnati in 1933. Um, I just think about that time and for a woman, a black woman to to pursue a degree like that, 
um, and then go on to advocate for mental health reform. Um, she did things like spoke out against the use of involuntary commitment and other forms of institutionalization for people with mental illness. Um, and of course, was a strong voice, voice uh, for the importance of community-based care and support services, which is something that um, continues to be brought up um, for communities that are, for particularly black communities and communities of color, having community-based care because we know that care that is, when it's not community-based, sometimes it's not necessarily created with us in mind. So the fact that she, 30 years ago, 90 years ago, was uh, intentionally trying to impact mental health in a positive way for us, I, I just wanted to share that little gem with y'all. So um, for the other like uh, mental health nerds out there, I will make sure the link is in the description if you guys want to go read more about Inez Beverly Prosser. Um, but yeah, the, we've been, we've been working, trying to get this thing going for a long time. Don't be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. It's been a long time coming. Um, so Solana, before we go, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, what projects you have coming up next, like, and you know, what, what song they need to download off of, off of Spotify or Apple. All right. I got y'all. So, um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm also on TikTok, but my Instagram is at Solana.blue. From there, you can get access to my uh, yoga Instagram that I also run. Um, feel free to DM me if you ever want to have a yoga lesson or if you just want to vibe and jam. Um, as far as projects coming up, uh, nothing really major. I am learning how to become a DJ. So hopefully I can start getting some little, some little mixes out there to y'all. Um, and then as far as my music, you can find my lovely single, Take You There, on Spotify and Apple Music. And it's just my name when you put it in the search yes. bar. Yes, make sure y'all go stream that. Um, buy it. I think on Spotify now you can actually support the artist and buy the song. So make sure y'all go uh, support her, follow her on all the things, all the platforms. Um, maybe we didn't even talk about yoga today. We got it. Okay, guys, I'm going to bring Solana back. Uh, we're going to get into yoga and mental health because if y'all know, I love yoga. I was in hot yoga like two nights ago. Um, and I love talking to other black women that do yoga because I'll be in the class by myself, y'all. Yes. By myself. I'm, there's no, there's no, it's just me. And I'm tall as hell. And so everybody's like, they do the look back when I walk in the classroom. Like, yes, mm -hmm. y'all, it's a black person in the class. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just me. Um, mm -hmm. It's okay. And nothing gonna happen. I'm just here trying to get my awesomeness on. <laughs> and, <know>? As is. <laughs> and is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Solana. Well, thank you so much for joining us. For everybody that's listening, thank you. Uh, thank y'all. And... Um, yeah, uh, episodes are going to be coming bi-weekly for the summer because I need to get my life together. Amen. And uh, <laughs> that's just what it is right now. So make sure y'all, uh, but in the meantime, there are a lot of other episodes, a lot of great episodes, a lot of great guests. Um, scroll back, download a few few new episodes. Um, but I today's conversation was great. Um, I Solana, I appreciate your transparency. I um, appreciate you sharing about 
your experiences with your own family and being vulnerable, uh, it's not easy. So I, I do appreciate you sharing your story today. No, of course. I'm so thankful that you, again, you allowed me to be here and open this space for us to just be black women, talking about black women things and, yes. you know, yes. living life. Living life. Yes. And for anybody, um, for anybody that's listening, I always say that y'all just ignore me when I say that, but um, make sure y'all go follow us on uh, at black girls have anxiety too on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, YouTube's coming y'all one of these days is coming but for now make sure y'all go follow on Instagram Uh, make sure you're following on whatever platform you're listening to right now follow on Apple Spotify all the all the platforms and um, leave a review if you want to because it helps me and um, I love you guys thank you so much for supporting um And have a great rest of your day. And remember that you are worthy. Don't try to fit in any of these little tiny ass boxes they made for us. We're coming out big. Taking up space. All 2023. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. See you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. See you again on the next episode, but until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal. Oh,